scores! Dominic Cahoon! That didn't take long to fit right the strip. Skinner comes away with it, fire scores! Oh my goodness, Jeff Skinner! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Buffalo Hockey Central podcast. Once again, it is Craig. Craig, where are you this week? Well, see, last week I was in my car, but now I'm somewhere stuck in a Guadalajara in prison. So I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> but they, you know, they give me 45 minutes on the yard, so I figured I'd do the episode in that time period. <laughs> well, we better we better shorten things up this week compared to last week's episode, huh? Yeah, I, I got to keep my back to a wall here. So, but as long as I do that, I can keep talking Buffalo sports. Why not? I hope you got some Buffalo fans around you. Otherwise, you might be uh, making enemies out there. I, I already have. That's why I'm here. <laughs> very well, very well. So, what's new with you, Craig? Uh, have you been able to watch much hockey lately? Any other sports? Well, I decided to uh, not watch uh, as much of the playoffs, only because it was making me very angry. Because once again, basically uh, confirming that I have lost what was little left of my mind. Um, so, I've actually been watching more of the uh, baseball season. I've been finding some really interesting storylines this year in baseball. So, I've been kind of biding my time, waiting for. Uh, the Sabres to resume play in, in however many months that'll be uh, by, by diving into baseball myself. Oh, very cool. I mean, I definitely have not been watching baseball, but every once in a while I will drive past uh, was a Salem field and I get to see all the, the cutout fans in the, in the stands. And that's kind of neat to see. And for me, the, the thing that made that the best touch of all is they put Getty Lee of rush behind home plate which is where his season tickets are for the Toronto Blue Jays. And that's all that matters to me. The fact that they did that, I became a de facto Blue Jays fan this year. Yeah, that's pretty funny. And I I was so upset that we couldn't go to games because I probably would have. I'm not like a huge baseball guy, but I probably would have shown up to a couple games just for the fun of it. Oh, sure. I mean, especially when the Yankees are in town. I mean, the the last time the Yankees were in Buffalo for a game, I think it was an exhibition, you know, 50 years ago or whatever. So, uh, you know, so some historical stuff in, in light of this uh, horrendous uh, pandemic that we're going through. Uh, some 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 neat little footnotes that you can look back on and say, well, there was a silver lining in all this nonsense. Yeah. Do you think if uh, Toronto wins the World Series this year, the parade will be in Buffalo or how's that going to go down? I think just because of my natural disdain for the Maple Leafs, I think that would be absolutely outstanding. Uh, but at the same time, it's almost a kick in the head to all Buffalo fans who have been waiting for a parade down, you know, Washington or whatever, uh, you know, due to the Sabres or the Bills or something and for it to be the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't know if they'll uh, if they'd go for that. Oh, uh, you know what? You're probably right about that. It would be kind of neat, but oh, having a Toronto team come to Buffalo in this crazy year and win it, and then, oh, yeah, I don't like that, actually, now that you explained it that way. That's what I do. I'm here to ruin everybody's fun. Well, you're doing a good job so far, Craig. No, that's I'm just right. kidding. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's why I'm here. Well, we might be getting into uh, some pretty intense topics tonight. Um, it's going to be solely focused on 
the limited salary cap that the Buffalo Sabres are considering for this upcoming season. Um, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, there have been multiple reports uh, basically saying the Sabres are planning to enforce an internal salary cap, and that could potentially be about $10 million under the, the NHL cap of 81.5 per year. Uh, now, Craig, initial thoughts on this one, because I'm, I'm, I'm a little stumped myself. So I, I try to look at things as calmly and logically as I possibly can. It doesn't mean that it's the right way to look at it, but I tend to try to look at it from both sides of the spectrum. And let's look at it from on one end, you can kind of understand from the perspective that the Sabres as an organization have not generated revenue over the past six months, and until they play again, won't generate much revenue uh, for, what, seven or eight months, uh, nine months even, in terms of from the pause to when the Sabres drop the puck for the next season, potentially. Okay, so on that end, you can understand the fact that maybe, um, you know, they're not generating a lot of money, so there is reason for a bit of a cutback. Okay, that's as far as my understanding goes. Uh, because on the other side of things, it's somewhat ludicrous to me. I mean, let's, let's consider it a couple different ways. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. When you're talking about an $80 million salary cap, and you're talking about a team like, say, Vegas, if Vegas were to come out and say, hey, you know what, we're going to have an internal cap of $70 million, their fans could buy that. Why? Because Vegas, at the minimum will have made the conference finals in the Western Conference. When you're talking about a team like Buffalo that hasn't made the playoffs in a decade, that's a really tough thing to, to come out with. And to be very honest, it, it's somewhat insulting, to be incredibly honest with you, John, because you know here's a team that needs every bit of resource that it can, especially now, because this is a team that is so short on NHL talent, and and especially, and we touched on this in one of our previous episodes, where they have so many guys that they have to sign, be they uh, restricted free agents or just spots to fill with the departing unrestricted free, free agents. They have lots of work to do, and when you chop $10 million off of that, you are giving Kevin Adams absolutely no ability to make the necessary changes to get to the playoffs. How can they look at a fan base and say, hey, you know what? It's going to be fine. We're going to cut $10 million away from the potential improvements of this team. But don't worry about it. Come on in. Buy tickets. Buy jerseys. Who in their right mind is going to go, yeah, it sounds like a great deal. These guys are cheaping $10 million out, and I'm going to spend my hard-earned money to go watch this team play. And again, this is nothing against the players whatsoever, but this is this is absolutely incredible to me. A team that is completely devoid of success over the past decade is now going to turn around and take $10 million off of the salary cap. Why? Explain to me why. Oh, we've lost revenue. Okay, fair enough. But isn't the owner worth 5 to $6 billion? Explain to me how $10 million is going to make a, that much of a difference to him when you're already spending $70 million. I mean, here's the thing, John. This is an opportunity. Did you see the Bukestad trade yesterday? No. What, what was that about? 
So Nick Bukestad got traded from Pittsburgh to Minnesota. What did Minnesota give to give Pittsburgh? A conditional draft pick. Why did it happen? Because Pittsburgh is dying for salary cap space, and these are the kinds of trades you're going to be seeing left and right. This is an opportunity for the Sabres, because this is why you're excited to have an owner with really deep pockets who, admittedly and in fairness, has spent a great deal of money on the Sabres, on the Bills, on the Buffalo community. He deserves a lot of credit for that. And understand, I'm not disparaging him, the person. What I'm disparaging is if this is if this is a true report and this actually happens, I'm disparaging the decision because this is an opportunity where teams that are really cash-strapped and really cap-strapped are going to be dying to get out of these contracts and the Sabres could potentially acquire legitimate NHL players for pennies on the dollar compared to markets previous in previous seasons. But no! They're going to chop $10 million off of the potential improvements in the name of what? Breaking even? Here's the thing. If they spend the cap and it works because Kevin Adams did his job and they and they got the right players and they start winning, that $10 million you didn't want to spend, oh, you'll get it back in a hurry. Because, John, you know as well as I do, the people of Western New York will support a winner. They've supported losing franchises for decades. But you want to talk about winning? How much money they could make? They would make they would make up for that $10 million in two weeks if they would put a winning product on the ice. But what are they going to put on the ice? A team that's $10 million under the cap in the name of the bottom line. To me, that doesn't cut it. Wow. Well, that was some good stuff in there, Craig. I don't think I've uh, heard you get that fired up before, so keep it coming because it might be the whole episode. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just crazy to think about. Uh, you know, you're not willing to spend up to the NHL cap, and we haven't made the playoffs in nine years, and you're dumping all this money into the Bills, who you know they've done a good job with. I think they are in a great position to succeed for many years to come. But then you you look, it's like, do they care about the Sabres? Like, obviously they care about the Bills. They're doing a good job. And we know we know they care about the Sabres, right? They're not, like, neglecting them. But it's it feels a little bit like, you know, you're, you got the favorite child syndrome for the Bills. And then it's like, oh, the stepchild that we kind of put to the side is, is the Sabres. You know, they, they still care about them. But, man, it just doesn't feel like they're giving equal attention to them. And it's tough to bite that bullet as a Sabres fan. You know, I'm like, ah, I love the Bills too. I'm so happy to see them doing so well. And they're spending up to the cap. Well, not this season, but that's because Brandon Bean is an absolute magician. But, you know, you said it. Like, Kevin Adams, he already has a tough job in front of him. You take $10 million of potential cap space away, what do you expect him to do in his first year as an NHL general manager. Seriously, like it's not like he's got previous experience at it. So it's not like, okay, well, I've done this before to cut some some dollars on the cap. You know, maybe maybe we just extend that a little bit further to get to ten million. We have like let's let's see. I just wanna see. We've got like thirteen yeah, thirteen spots to fill. And we have $22 million potentially to do it. I don't understand 
how you're going to make a playoff team with, with that kind of limitations with your internal salary cap. Okay, you, we talked about the guys they have to resign. Sam Reinhart, Victor Olsen, Linus Allmark. Those three, for sure you're locking up. Brandon Montour is an RFA, as we spoke about. Whether or not we resign him at this point, I don't know. It Probably not now with this with this rumor coming out. You know, we said trade him, trade him. If you have to trade his rights for a pick, you do it. Well, they might have to trade him for, like you said, pennies on the dollar at this point, which sucks. Uh, I'm not a fan of that at all. But, you know, if if that's what we're going to have to deal with, I, whatever. I'm, I'm not happy at all when I saw this. And, and I get it. From a business perspective, yeah, you're, $10 million is a lot of money, even if you're a billionaire, which maybe doesn't translate so well. But, you know, $10 million is still $10 million. Do you really think... Do you really think that it's it's worth it to, you know, cut down that money just to save it at face value? If we spend to the cap and we're willing to go get players who are pennies on the dollar, you're right. We'd probably make the playoffs. People will support a winning team, as you said. But, man, I, I it just feels like they're complacent with losing again. That's really what it feels like. I, I don't know, Craig. I don't know. I don't know how to deal with my anger toward this situation. Well, and and that's, I mean, this is why I'm in a Guadalajara in prison. I mean, these are the kinds of things that happen when you have that kind of anger. But uh, no, and, and I mean, for me, I agree completely. And and, and I want to be very clear in that, I, 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 want, I should have said this at the beginning, but I want to be very clear that at least from my perspective, and I know, John, you feel the same way too, that there is nothing. I'm, and I mean legitimately nothing but respect for the Pagulas because that family saved professional sports in Buffalo from wh- who knows what it would have been. And so they always should get the respect of the fans because they did that. I completely agree. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, I want to be clear with the fact that, once again, we're not disparaging the people because – because you're right, there are so many inner workings in on the business side of this thing that people, general people, just don't know. And there's a lot of things that happen, the minutia of the day and the minutia of the weeks and the passing of money from source to source. It comes in places that people don't understand, and they and they can't understand it. So 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 I understand that. And I also understand that the Sabres have been a money pit mainly because of the lack of success, the lack of actual team play on the ice since mid-March. And so, you know, I really do understand that money is tightening up with the Sabres. And the fact is, and you mentioned this, the Bills right now are being run so well, mainly because, and give the Pagulas credit, they found Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. And Brandon Bean, you know, knew Sean McDermott. And that combination is running that franchise beautifully. And they have done a remarkable job. And and don't forget, when Brandon Bean came aboard, the Bills were a salary cap mess. And he went and cleaned it all out. People were not happy. I mean, remember, remember the Marcel Darius trade? People were not happy. Turns out, he was 100% correct on those things. And now they're very healthy, very viable, and they're thriving. 
The problem with the Sabres, and this has been the problem for a long time, the people in charge, and I'm not talking the owners, I'm talking, you know, the general managers, the, the guys upstairs making the decisions for the Sabres have not been the right choices. Again, all 2020, in hindsight, 100%, you, nobody could have, I mean, I was as excited about Jason Bottrell being the GM as just about anybody else because, I mean, here's a guy who came in, he was touted as a cap wizard, he was touted as a guy who had a real eye for everything. He was training in an assistant general manager spot in Pittsburgh. He worked with Wilkes-Barre Scranton in the AHL. I mean, he he had a real good feel for the position. I had a lot of hope for him. I was really excited about it. And it just turned out that it didn't work out for the Sabres. Now, and I think some of that is why we're sitting here in this kind of dilemma as, as broadcasters as we are looking at it from the outside because – I don't see a way that you can improve your team. Look, last year, this past season, 80% of the league made the playoffs and you missed it. And you're going to cut $10 million away from that. 80% of the league made the playoffs. And they said, eh, let's get rid of $10 million. I, my brain, it's like I can feel it coming out of my ear and I have to keep pushing it back in because I just, I can't understand the like I can't understand the transitive property of this thought process where we're going to cut 10 million dollars because we're losing money okay that makes sense you got to cut so what do you do whenever you're losing money you look at your budget and you cut the unnecessary strings right okay that's business 101 but but when you look at it from the perspective that your business is entertainment and your business is solely reliant on entertainment dollars coming from your community how can you say we're going to put a worse product on the ice only to hope we get more money from the community to support to get us back to the salary cap? My brain has officially shut down at that kind of thought process. Hang in there, Craig. Hang in there. It'll it'll be over at some point. But I, I'm just like thinking, what does Jack Eichel think about hearing these rumors? If, if he has heard them so far, like... Five years in, no playoffs, not a lot of support around him. You know, we talked about it in, like, the first episode. You know, could he be looking for a trade? Well, go back and listen if you if you didn't listen to that episode. But this has got to – this doesn't help that situation, in my opinion. I think everybody could probably agree. You know, if you're the captain, Jack Eichel, all right. My team is looking to spend $10 million less than the actual NHL cap allows. I don't like that. I don't like hearing that. It's like, okay, they're going to bank on me putting up 120 points just to scrape our way in the playoffs and then get swept. Like, do you think he's thinking that? Maybe not to that extent, but it can't bode well with the players and obviously the captain, Jack Eichel. Yeah, and, and to me, that's who I feel the worst for, are the players, because these are professional athletes who are doing their dead-level best to improve, to be at the very top of their game. And, you know, there is a certain point where you have to look at management and say, look, we can only do X. We can't go past X. And to expect Y when we can only give you X is un they are unrealistic expectations and unrealistic requests. Uh, and I agree. And it is a terrible look for an organization 
that unfortunately over the past few years has not had a whole lot to shine positively on it. And it's just, and here, and then John, here's some more residual stuff that you think about in this situation. If you are an unrestricted free agent and you're looking to sign a new contract and you know, Buffalo's interested, do you want to go to that? Probably not because you know, wow, that organization has been struggling in a lot of different key areas. And I'm not just talking about on the ice. And I don't know if I want to get involved in all that. And I mean, and, and I'm not saying that's something that the players would think, but I mean, let's be very honest. Buffalo did a really good job for a long time uh, embracing that family culture and that, you know, Jason Pominville, Thomas Vanek, all these guys, when they left, the thing they always said about Buffalo was the hardest thing, the hardest reason to leave Buffalo was the people and the community because the community embraced embraced them so well, they embrace each other so well, and it was just such a wonderful living environment for the players. That goes a long way. People don't think about that, because to us, they're just guys that are on the ice, but these are people. These are people that are, are living in homes and have families, and when they love you know, where they're living and where they can send their kids to school and stuff like that, I mean, that goes a long way, but now you're undoing all that goodwill. And now people are going, oh, I don't even want to go there because that's just a mess over there. And how are you going to get better with that kind of thing? You don't. <laughs> you don't, especially in a place like Buffalo. And I know, you know, all the Bills players, they still see that. They still feel that love. Uh, you know, Ed Oliver, there's been videos of him strutting around on his horse, riding riding to the practice facility and stuff like that. And, like, the community loves that. I'm sure everybody that drives by is like, oh, go Bills, stuff like that. And the Bills players, they see that. Even people around the NFL, other players, they see that. They want to come here. You know, it's, it's kind of – and you're right. It was that way with the Sabres, but it's kind of uh, regressing a bit. You're completely right. And I don't know how you're supposed to – you know, lure top end free agents in when a you can't give them top dollar, b this isn't a winning environment, and c the 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 fans of Buffalo are starting to care less and less. It's not because we don't like the team; it's just because we haven't seen any good product on the ice in so long. And, you know, if I'm a player, I don't want to go play somewhere where, you know, there's going to be empty seats. The fans aren't really into it that much. You know, the 10-game winning streak was amazing. We, we don't need to touch on that too much. But it showed the potential of the Sabres fans. You go back 10-plus years, you know, even further than that, like Buffalo fans, they go hard for their teams. But after so long of losing, it gets tough. And I don't know who you're supposed to fill the roster with this year if you're cutting down by $10 million with all these factors that we're talking about. It just, it just does not – it doesn't look good. It kind of makes me not even look forward to the Sabre season this year. And that's kind of depressing. Yeah, and I'll tell you this, John, in my opinion, and, and I'm usually wrong, so uh, take this with the largest grain of salt that you can find, but uh, I, I would think – that as a professional sports organization, the worst thing that you can have from your fan base is apathy. I mean, anger is one thing. It's just a passionate emotion. And anger is a natural thing. And if you're angry at the franchise, 
you know, you can understand that because it comes from a place of passion and it comes from a place of caring. The problem is when you get people who step back and go, you know what? I just don't care. And when that happens, that's where you lose. See, and, and, and to me, that's the point here is that if you're going to cut $10 million off of your salary cap to you as a businessman, that's $10 million you save. Fair enough. And you know what? That's fair because $10 million, as you said, it's a lot of money. So uh, I can understand that as a business side. But here's the thing. If you cut that $10 million and you've made it public, let's be honest, this report is public. So whether you do it or not now, you know, it's out there. Uh, but if you do that, you will have lost people for a long period of time. And when you do that and you create apathy in the community for your team, that $10 million you saved, you're not getting it back with community support because you're going to have people canceling season tickets. You're going to have people not buying the jerseys. You're going to have people not wanting to pay the NHL to get the center ice package if you're living out of town, such as myself. Why do I want to give the NH why do I want to give the NHL and then by virtue of the Sabres $150 or whatever it is a season to watch a product that they themselves said it was okay to cut what 12% of your cap or whatever the, whatever that case is? I mean, how can you say to a fan, you know what? It's cool. We're gonna save our 10 million, but you go ahead and keep giving us the money. It's it, it doesn't work like that. And I under and again we understand that 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 money's tight. I mean that's I mean it goes without saying, but it's tight for everyone. It's tight for all the teams. I mean Philadelphia was in the playoffs. They went through the the, the round robin. They get past the first round, right? But they didn't get any of the gate, you know, at the Wells Fargo Arena, the Wells Fargo Center, because they weren't playing there, right? I don't know what the TV money division is. But if I remember correctly, doesn't the TV money all get divided amongst all the clubs? Yeah, it's supposed to. I'm not sure when it what happens when it gets to the playoffs, but yeah, I'm not either. But my but my point is this. My point is my point is all the clubs are suffering in one way or another. But to sit there and say in the Sabers case, where they were in the bottom twenty percent of the league, couldn't even make a playoff with 80% of the league making it, how can you say it's okay to not do our very best to try to improve that team? Because you can't. As you said earlier, John, very correctly indeed, they've got their own guys to deal with. By the time they're finished with their own guys, that's it. They're done. And they have proven that that group doesn't work well enough, not to say they're not good players, because they are, but that group as a unit last year wasn't good enough to make a playoff with 80% of the league making it. How can you tell your fan base it's okay to ice that same group, which is potentially what you're going to be doing, or even worse, if you can't sign any of your restricted guys, how can you tell a fan base, ah, it's okay, that's fine. We know as fans that this isn't getting better, and yet you want support, obviously. Well, you're not going to get it. And, and I just, I, I can't wrap my head around this thought that, that, that management would say, ah, this is okay. Because this franchise, this city has been dying for success. There hasn't been a professional championship 
from either of the two, and we could even say three major franchises going back to uh, the NBA when Buffalo had a team. There hasn't been a professional sports championship here since what, 1965 with the Bills and the AFL? I mean, like, how can you? I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. And this is why I am where I am. And this is why I need to stop talking now because the uh, guards on the yard are giving me the side eye. So I'm done now. <laughs> you better watch out for them, Craig. But, I mean, we're not the only ones that are, like, against this whole money cut situation. Uh, there's also been reports uh, that the Sabres coaching staff was asked to take a second voluntary pay reduction. Then Now, they did take the first one, uh, I guess, from April 1st to July 13th. They took a 20% pay cut. Now, as we all know, the Sabres coaching staff isn't – like big right now. Like we haven't really filled out the entire management and coaching staff. So it's already supposed to be cheaper compared to other teams. So they took the 20% pay cut, the first one. And apparently they had enough of it because they were asked to take another subsequent uh, pay cut for 25% this time. And they declined it. And so, now you have a little bit of disconnect in the organization as if there wasn't enough of that to begin with. And I don't know if they're butting heads, if it was like a civil, you know, uh, no, we're not going to take that. Or if they're like, heck no, we're not taking another pay cut. You guys are crazy. Like, I, I don't know what is going on with this organization. There, it just, it doesn't seem like it's, it's flowing very well from top to bottom at this point. And, that's scary to think about after you just brought in a new general manager. There's still disconnect. I would pay Ralph Kruger to tell me if he threw a shoe in that meeting. Because if he threw a shoe, I'll pay whatever fine he would have gotten from the organization. Because quite frankly, again, and you make an excellent point, it's insane. I understand. Listen, here's the thing. Once again... I understand asking them to take the first cut. Okay, you know, it could very well be that a lot of teams around the league are doing things similar and trying to pare down wherever they can. I understand that. But to ask them to take a second one, I, I just, I mean, once again, once again, when, you're, when, 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 when the coaching staff and the front office, it has to be at, among the smallest in the league in terms of number of personnel and you're asking them to take a pay cut. Kevin Adams, I listen, I feel really bad for him. And I'll tell you why. Because he's a guy who's being thrown into the general manager's chair. And he's got to know a couple of things. One, that he can't possibly do this job the way that he would probably want to. Given the lack of whatever, you know, whatever he would need. I, I mean, right away... It, when you talk about a guy like Kevin Adams, no front office experience in this type of regard, the first thing you should be doing is hiring him an assistant general manager, someone who's been around. I know Rick Dudley's name has been bandied about. I would have loved that. A guy who's been in NHL front offices. He's been behind NHL benches in Buffalo, of all places. The guy knows the business. And you need to get him that kind of support as well. They're, they're not going to do that. I can't say that. That's not fair. They haven't done it to this point. 
And if they haven't done it to this point, and they're asking these people to take pay cuts, I don't see how they would potentially do that. And it's just, I, it, it's really discouraging because I want very much to dump all the support that I have for the Sabres. Um, I've, been a, I've been a hockey guy first my whole life. The Sabres have been my, my favorite organization in all of sport. Uh, I mean, I love the Bills, but they've been, they've been number two for me my whole life. And it, it's, it's heartbreaking. You know, and I think there's a lot of yelling and a lot of anger on this episode. Uh, but it, it's because it comes from a place of passion, because it comes from a place of uh, of care, because I want this team to be competitive. I want this team to have a chance to break that horrendous drought that has been a pall over Western New York for, you know, 55 years. These people, look, I don't even care so much if the Buffalo Sabres win a Stanley Cup for the Buffalo Sabres. That's fine. That's wonderful. What I care about is I care about the Buffalo Sabres winning a Stanley Cup for my family, for your family, for the people who have been following the Sabres for generations and who have been just just dying to see a championship. The people who took the money that they don't really have to take their kids to see a game because the Sabres meant something to them and the Sabres meant something to their family, and the Sabres meant something to the legions of of generations before them, those people who lined up in the cold to get into the odd to smell the worst smell on God's creation as they opened those doors, but it, it was glorious because you knew you were in the odd to see the Sabres. That means something. That means something to thousands of people in Western New York. It means something to people who have long passed on. My father never saw a Buffalo sports championship outside of 1964 and 65 with the Bills and the AFL. He passed away never seeing the teams win. He used to say to me all the time that his old man, my grandfather, never saw it either. And he just hoped that he could see one, just one, before he passed on. It didn't happen for him. I'm next man up. And here I am looking at a franchise who I so desperately want them to be competitive. I'm not even saying Stanley Cup or bust. I'm saying competitive. And they have the audacity to say that the fans don't matter to them in the tune of $10 million on a salary cap. I'm not saying that's what they're saying directly, but indirectly, that's what we're feeling. They don't have to say it directly. It's an indirect message that, hey, we don't have the money. We're going to cut the cap. And, And to me and to the people who have lived and died with Buffalo sports, that is disrespect. Well said. Well said, Craig. Now, I'm sure the guards are giving you a little bit of a stink eye right now. Oh, yeah. I, I, I just lit the alarm. Yeah. So let's let's just take a deep breath right here. All right, let's let's get by this. We'll deal with it. It'll be fine. It won't be fine, but we'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> now, <laughs> as far as some uh, some positive Buffalo sports talk, we do have the first game of the Bills season starting tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern time. 
and I could not be more excited. It feels like Christmas Eve to me. Um, if it's not obvious, we are recording. It is Saturday night. The, you guys will probably listen uh, in the morning. Get get ready for that Bills game. I'm super, super excited. I really don't think the Jets stand a chance in game one. Josh is going to come out. They're going to target Diggs a ton. Make sure that the fans know that investment was intentional. Uh, they're going to get going, and we're in for a good season. Craig, are, are you going to be able to watch the game tomorrow? Uh, from my cell, I doubt it, but I would, uh, but I'll do everything I can to follow. Um, you know, and, and John, I'll, I'll say this for as, um, disenfranchised as I am with the Sabres is as optimistic as I am with the bills because, and, and we said this once in the episode, I'll say it again, full credit to the Pagulas for finding Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. These two guys, as well as their staffs have done a remarkable job with a resurgence for a franchise that was fledgling, just like the Sabres are now. And I am, uh, at heart, I'm very cynical. And you can call me pessimistic, that's fine. Uh, but it is a learned property. I, I, I have always been an optimistic person by nature, but Buffalo sports have taught me that being pessimistic is the only way to protect yourself. Uh, because I, I mean, I was nine years old when Wide Right happened. I remember it. My father was on the floor. My father was six foot six and 400 pounds. And he was on the floor on his knees watching that ball go wide right of the goalposts. I've never seen him off the chair watching a sports game. And that's how much the Bills uh, just completely drove stakes through my heart as a youth. However, that being said, it is really hard to not look at this organization right now and go, Hey, these guys are pretty good um, and and have some optimism, um, you know, and 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 the big talk, of course, is about Josh Allen. And, you know, there's a lot of people in the media who don't like him. Uh, and and I think the problem is a lot of those people are just trying to cover up their tracks for all the pre-draft nonsense about him. Uh, and and they're never going to say good things about him because they said they they, they staked their claim early in the draft process and people have a very difficult time saying, you know what? I wasn't completely right about this guy. And I'll give you the case in point, John, why I say this. Josh Allen, to me, are there things he needs to work on? Absolutely. But I'm going to give you a little bit of a nugget here that really encapsulates why I have more optimism from, from him and for him since for any quarterback who's played in Buffalo since Jim Kelly. And that is, right now as we sit here on this Saturday night, Josh Allen is third in Bill's history in game-winning drives. Now, think about all the quarterbacks who have played in Buffalo and guys who have played a long time in Buffalo. And Josh Allen is third in that category. He averages about four game-winning drives a season. If you were to extrapolate that average across a 10-year span, which is how many years Jim Kelly played in Buffalo, Jim Kelly had 28 game-winning drives. Josh Allen would have 40. So we're talking about a guy who in, in when, when the going gets tough, he generally shows up. And you can't teach that. Because as much as everybody loved Ryan Fitzpatrick, as much as everybody loved Trent Edwards at, for a certain point in time, as much as Drew Bledsoe played very well in Buffalo for his few seasons, those guys didn't have it when the chips were down. 
And the other thing I like about Josh Allen is he's got a lot of resiliency. When he's faced with one type of situation, a lot of times he'll fail at first. But the second time it comes around, he succeeds because he can adjust. Look at the primetime games. You know, when the lights went on the first time, Josh Allen, not as great. When he, I mean, he played New England uh, the first time. It wasn't a primetime game, but again, playing New England, that's big time. And New England got the best of him. But notice what happened when the games got big later on. The Thanksgiving Day game against Dallas. He was the star of the show. The defense was no slouch, of course. But he was the star of the show. And, you know, he, you can tell that he gets it. He really understands what it is to be the leader of this team, the leader of this organization, and the leader within this community. And that's a big deal. And so if anyone is going to do this, I think it's Josh Allen. So uh, for the season, I've got some optimism. It's just a glimmer at this point. Um, You know, I know a lot of people are talking about hanging 40 on the Jets. I, I, I would love to see it. I would love to see it, but I haven't seen it in years, right? I mean, I was used to watching this team hang 40 in the early 90s. Hanging 40 wasn't an issue in the early 90s. Since then, eh. so uh, I, I I have as much optimism as I can, John, and uh, I, I do like their chances against the Jets, but that part of me in the back of my head's going, eh, yeah, but you know what? They could lose that game 14 to 13, and then you're throwing shoes again. <laughs> Are you going to pay the fines for all the fans throwing shoes at their TV or to yeah. replace their TVs? <laughs> no, no, no. See, I won't do that because that that's just uh, that's low hanging fruit. But Ralph Kruger throwing a shoe after being asked to take two pay cuts. Now that's entertainment. Oh, yeah, I'd back you up. I think we could start like a GoFundMe and, and we can hook Ralph up with uh, with the money for that <laughs> fine. We can handle it. But yeah, I mean. Josh Allen, it's going to be a big year, year three going into it. That's I feel like that's when a lot of the quarterbacks take that big, big step. And we saw a big step from year one to year two. And, you know, we talked about it last episode. You bring in all these weapons in, and he's learning, and he's developing accuracy, deep ball accuracy. Everything is lining up for that big, big jump where he really could take that offense to the next level. And 40 points, that would be, wow, I, I would be ecstatic if we saw 40 points hung up against the Jets tomorrow. But, you know, I think if you don't see them put up, you know, 25, 27-plus points against the Jets, it's it almost feels a little bit disappointing, in my opinion, because, you, like, we've had all this hype all offseason. Training camp looks fantastic. Everybody's gelling very well. The Jets, they're kind of in the opposite situation. Now, Darnold, I, I am one who thinks he does have some pretty good potential. Uh, and we talked about it last episode as well. Josh Allen, we think his potential is even higher. But Darnold is no slouch. Now, the Jets organization as a whole, that is a completely different story in my opinion. You know, they lost two of their best defenders in Jamal Adams and C.J. Mosley. Now, if, if we can't really take advantage of the holes in their defense tomorrow and and put up a good amount of points. And, and in my opinion, we should run away with this game. I don't think the Jets get close to 20 points. If they do, that's where they're maxing out. So if we can't put up 23 
25, 27 plus points, even 30. I think 30 is very realistic for this team against a Jets team that just, they're just not in as, they're not in a good position like the Bills are. And if you lose tomorrow, I don't even, I can't even imagine what, oh, what the perspective is going to be from from not only Buffalo fans, but the national media. Like, people are starting to hop on a little bit of this bandwagon. They're starting to. And if you go out week one and you just flub it against the Jets, you can't do that. You cannot do that. This is a big game. We need to go out straight from the kickoff. If, if we're kicking it off, I want to see the defense. Heck, let's see Trey get a, get a pick six. First, first play of the game. Why not? Big payday for him. No, but seriously, they need to dominate from start to finish. I'm fully expecting it. And anything less than, you, you know, the line is six and a half for tomorrow's game for all you sports bettors out there. <laughs> if they don't put up seven more points than the Jets tomorrow, I would be surprised. It, it really feels like they're giving money away at this point. Yeah, I uh, I would love, I mean, there's nothing more that I would enjoy than the Bills to put up a performance like they did. I believe it was the first game of the 2003 season, I believe it was, or 2004, against New England at home when they absolutely obliterated Tom Brady and the Patriots. That's when Lawyer Malloy had come over just a few days prior uh, and just put on a show in game one. And uh, nothing would make me happier than to see the Bills do that tomorrow. Uh, I I just always get a little nervous and a little tempered excitement, I should say, uh, when whenever a a shining word is spoken of the Buffalo Bills, you always look for the thundercloud somewhere behind it. Uh, so, but I, I agree with you, John. I think they should handle them uh, fairly well. I think last year in the opening game when C.J. Mosley went out with an injury, that's when the Bills started picking it up, and that's when they started picking apart the Jets' defense. Uh, and now with him not playing, it really does spell the Bills from those real playmaker-type players on the Jets' defense. So I'm with you. Uh, I, I think they win, and I and I do believe it'll be by double digits. But uh, it, it actually um, it actually kind of hurt saying that out loud because I feel like I'm just waiting for you know the game to be canceled because frogs are raining from the sky or some nonsense like that. <laughs> I think I did see rain on the radar, but hopefully not frogs. But just a reminder, we are a hockey podcast, uh, so we'll get back into the hockey talk, but. As a as Buffalo sports fans, it's hard not to uh, give some give some light to the Bills. It's going to be an exciting season. Um, now, Craig, we are getting back into the playoff talk. It hasn't gone so well for us over this past week. Uh, we both had the Islanders and Vegas Golden Knights uh, making it through this conference finals. Uh, both teams are down two to one right now. The Islanders had a big win last night. I believe the score was like five to three um, to keep that game or to keep that series alive. Going down three zero probably would have been uh, not good for them. So that's uh, two to one in favor of Tampa. Dallas, I don't, I don't get Dallas because we said in round one it's a toss up between them and Calgary. 
But whoever wins, there's no shot. There's no shot they're making it past the next round. What do they do? They go and beat Colorado in seven games. And Colorado was a team that we thought could go all the way to the cup finals. And they, they you know, it was a tough battle, but they, they pulled it out. And now they're going up against even a better team in the Vegas Golden Knights. And they've got a two-to-one lead. They're playing. I think they just started their game. I haven't even looked at the score. I don't. I don't want to right now. But this Dallas team, Craig, is. Are we starting to take them seriously? Like, is that where we're at at this point? I think if you're not taking them seriously now, I don't think we're paying attention. Uh, you know, Dallas has proven itself to be an excellent, especially defensive hockey squad. Uh, they somewhat remind me in a very different way, but uh, in Sabres tense, in Sabres terms, um, you know, those Dominic Hasek days when the Sabres were all about defense and goaltending and opportune scoring. And and for Dallas, that's what I've seen from them. They, they play so well defensively, but when opportunities present themselves, they don't waste it. In fact, they remind me a lot of the Islanders, to be very honest. So uh, I think the if the Islanders were to beat Tampa Bay, which right now looks like it would be an upset, um, I think it would be a spectacularly boring Stanley Cup final between Dallas and the Islanders, two teams that play awesome defense and who just have opportune scoring. But for a hockey purist, it would be a wonderful series to watch because it would be watching a chess match on the ice. Uh, I don't think we see it. I think Tampa Bay provides a really interesting dynamic uh, because they're so gifted offensively that it would make for a really interesting series, especially for the casual fan. Uh, but Dallas, I, you know, I guess, you know, I'm still thinking, I still like Vegas in the series, which is the ultimate kiss of death for the Golden Knights. Uh, but, <laughs> But I, I I still think they're just a little too talented. I think, you know, that whole defensive structure only goes so far where you where you play a really supremely balanced team. Sometimes that can provide some trouble. But if Dallas makes it to the cup finals, I mean, it. I, I hate to say it because, you know, Dallas and that whole cup finals thing, I, I'm still not over that either. But, uh, but you can tell I, I hold on to things for a while. Uh, but wow. I mean, they, they are impressive to say the least. Yeah. And, uh, and we talked, you talked about Tampa Bay a little bit and how offensively gifted they are. Uh, I'm sure maybe, maybe you didn't because I'm not sure what they're allowing you to see at, uh, whatever, (laughs) whatever prison or locked up place you're at. Um, just South of Guadalajara. Okay, okay, that's right, that's right. But did you see uh, Nikita Kucherov's play the other night? I think it was game two, maybe, uh, where they actually won. But I saw, I saw it from one angle, yeah, and I thought, ah, that was that was by accident. Then I saw it from the uh, the other angle where he tipped the pass in midair in the neutral zone to the two. What was that point or whoever yep, streaking down point. the wing? And, and I'm going, oh, he did that on purpose. That was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Yeah, and not only was the tip impressive, but he actually broke up the play in the defensive end too. Yeah, he, right. He got a stick in the way, uh, started, you know, turned around, started breaking out. It was a good pass by the defenseman, and then just that crazy, crazy deflection of a pass that was 
right on the money for Braden Point, who was flying down the wing. And then for Kucherov to get down the ice in a scoring position and a, obviously a fantastic pass from Braden Point too, right on the money for Kucherov to tap, tap it in. It, I mean, that was probably the goal of the playoffs at this point, I, I would have to imagine. Agreed. Yeah. So this this Tampa Bay team, they're rolling right now, which is crazy because they don't even have Steven Stamkos this year. So I, is he is he becoming expendable for Tampa? I don't know. That's that's maybe a conversation for the off season, perhaps. But Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point are feeding off of each other so well. They're number two and three in the playoffs and scoring. Somehow still behind Nathan McKinnon, who was eliminated last round. Uh, <laughs> but then you then you look, and we'll we'll take it over to the West again. Who's number four in scoring? Miro Heiskanen, Heiskanen, mm-hmm. however, you, however you want to pronounce his name. This kid's the real deal. You know, we talk about Darlene for the Sabres. Um, we talked about Quinn Hughes for Vancouver. Miro Heiskanen is another guy who is going to be a very good defender for a very, very long time. He is leading Dallas in points with 22 and 19 games. The next closest is Jamie Benn. He's only got 16 points. I mean, this kid is really turning it up in the playoffs. And if you're a Dallas fan, you're really, really excited about this kid's future. And <laughs> this Dallas team, who knows, man? Tampa and Dallas meeting in the finals. I think I could get on board with that. I'd really like to see Vegas, but Dallas has proven that they they belong in the conversation up to this point. I've got a lot of disdain for Dallas, so uh, I can't get behind it, but uh, I will be very honest and say I would watch it because I think it would be a tremendous series. Uh, but by the same token, yeah, I mean, I agree on Mero Heiskin, and he is a tremendous young player. And I, I think it's really interesting to see how many really top-notch young NHL defensemen are in the league right now. And you named a bunch of them, but it, and Kale McCarr out of Colorado yep. is another one. And I mean, these guys are just unbelievable. And and it's 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 going to be a lot of fun to watch the league because of that change in dynamicism from the back end, where you have all these guys who are able to contribute just as much, if not more, than forwards. As your example of the playoff scoring went, uh, I, I think it's a real kind of a shift in the dynamics of the NHL landscape. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it, uh, it down the road. And hopefully the Sabres can, can showcase Rasmus Dahlin on larger stages because as Sabres fans know, we've seen a lot of what he can do. And I mean, to be very honest and not to be too boastful, but he can do anything those guys can do as well. It's just the supporting cast in Buffalo right now really isn't giving him the opportunity to do so. Yeah, for sure. And Craig, do we even dare to try to predict the rest of these series? No. Okay. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I, I will back you, that up. <laughs> Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this week's episode. Uh, Craig, thanks for making it happen and, and joining me, even uh, you know wherever the heck you are. It's good to have you back again. Well, I'll tell you what, and uh, hopefully uh, next week I can uh, I can stun you with a location uh, both 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 far and entertaining as well. Well, I'll be here for it. Uh, once again, Buffalo Hockey Central podcast. Uh, make sure to check out our website, buffalohockeycentral.com. 
Check out our Twitter and our Facebook pages as well. We will see you next week, and let's go Bills. Oh, 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 o